Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Continuing on with the State of Theology survey that Ligonier Ministries put out here uh, just this at the end of last year, 2020, it touches on all of these different subjects, touches on theology proper, which is the study of God. It touches on our salvation. It, talk, it talks about eschatology or the end times. But it also gives us some questions about the church. And of course, the respondents can either agree or disagree with each of the statements. This is statement number 20. This is not going to cause controversy at all. So I'm no. so glad that we finally get one that's easy. Worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. Now, I would imagine if they took this survey in Idaho, these numbers would not be as good. Uh, 39% agreed. So the minority agreed with the position that you can worship alone or you can worship in your family, and that's a valid replacement for church. I think in Idaho that number would be I think more people here would say, yeah, I can worship with my family. I think that's a valid replacement for church than in other parts of the country. And I I do want to do a a quick plug here that in all of this, I don't want you to hear that we are against family worship. At least half of the room subscribes to the Westminster Standards, and the Westminster Standards, when they were written, also produced a directory for family worship. Mm. And so we strongly advocate family worship, that daily you should be gathering as a family or, you know, hopefully that this is is a desire of your heart that you gather as a family to worship together, that um, you you read the Bible, you pray, you have spiritual conversations. This is the teaching of Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's the, the teaching of Psalm 78. It's it's really the teaching of all of Scripture. Um, and a little plug for the Reformation Conference. Yeah, yeah. Terry Johnson, one of our speakers for this coming year, um, has written a, a family worship guide um, mm-hmm. to help with this. We'll have those also available at the, the conference for you to pick up at, at, mm-hmm. at great prices. So I don't want you to hear in all of this that we're against family worship or that we're against individual worship. No, the key word is replace. Replace yeah. is the key word. Yeah. yeah. And we are against yes. family and individual worship replacing corporate worship. Yep. Yeah, the the your individual worship, your individual with some people call it quiet time or or your personal devotional time or your family devotional time, super important does not absolutely does not replace the public worship of God with the people of God. Now, but I also want to say, and and uh, maybe this is a rabbit trail that the, my brothers here in the room don't want to go down, but uh, I'm going to go there anyway. Um, <laughs> let's let's also recognize that we are living in strange times right now uh, with the the COVID nineteen pandemic, and uh, per, perhaps your church is not even doing public worship. Perhaps your church is just doing online worship. Mm-hmm. 
And so you don't have that opportunity to gather together. Let's, let's give each other a little bit of grace in these, in, in these unusual times. Uh, the church that I serve, we are continuing to gather with, with, with distancing and, and asking people to wear masks. Um, and I would, in, I, my personal encouragement would be for all churches to find a way to gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you have to have 10 services so you can spread people out, uh, find, find a way to gather people together. And, and I think we're blessed to be in the state of Idaho where the, our, our state government here has not restricted churches from meeting. And I've been very thankful for that. It's interesting as you read the, the, the New Testament, the assumption is the underlying premise from which Paul writes is that the church is gathering together. Um, the book of First Corinthians, just to take one, uh, chapter 11, verse 18, when you come together as a church, mm-hmm. Paul doesn't make the case that you're going to come together as a church. He assumes right, yeah. that the church is coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in chapter 14, he he writes the same thing. He says, if, therefore, the whole church comes together. Yeah. And so I, I'm not even making the case right now that the Bible makes a case for corporate worship, which it does in the book of Hebrews most explicitly. But I'm saying if you just read the other epistles, yeah. it's just assumed. It's yeah. so baseline like of course the church is coming together yeah um the book of acts reads the same way and the the elements of that worship are are spelled out in different places Mm -hmm. you know in ephesians where it talks about addressing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord in your heart uh, giving thanks for everything there is here's here's one aspect of worship was Mm -hmm. which is the 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 praise of god and singing and and giving thanks and giving thanks you know the passage from First uh, Corinthians talks about offering up your gifts to Him. You know, you're, you know, setting something aside for that weekly gathering. And this isn't about like um, uh, house church versus um, building church, as in it's it's not a valid thing to go worship in a house. Obviously, we have lots of brothers and sisters in China who are doing house churches. It's not about the location per se. It's, it's, about, a, it's about the public worship of God. God is more glorified in the public worship of the saints than he is in private worship. And and the sacraments themselves speak to this. I, I think this is one of the problems of we've, we've breathed in this postmodern individualistic atmosphere, and so we've individualized everything. Like, we make baptism all about ourselves. Well, baptism is a picture of what Jesus has done, and, and it is a picture of the Spirit regenerating the individual soul, but it's also a picture of the corporate um, marking out of a people for God, which is different than the world. So it has an individual aspect and a corporate aspect. That's yeah. why you don't baptize kit. That's why you don't baptize your your children in bathtubs at home because it, it loses that public corporate aspect that God is glorified in. Yeah, the the whole Bible is about God calling to Himself a people. Um, and yeah, the Bible tells us lots of stories of individuals and and God's. God's call on individual lives, you know. Uh, well, we could we could list a, you know dozens of examples. Obviously, I'm not going to go there, but throughout the Bible, it's assumed that God is calling to Himself a people, and the idea of a Lone Ranger Christian 
uh, who is disconnected from the body of Christ. Or a lone family, Christian. Or a lone family disconnected from the larger body of Christ is simply unknown in the Bible. Uh, you, you, you will not find that anywhere. Um, we, are, we are called together into the body of Christ, and uh, each one of us has gifts uh, that, you know, Paul, Paul has the analogy of the body in 1 Corinthians that uh, we, we need each other. The, the eye cannot say to the ear, the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Um, because God has put t- together the body with different parts, different gifts. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you are not in your church by accident. You're there because God put you there to complement the other members of the body. And, and without your presence there, it's not complete. Right. And yesterday, and so, oh, go ahead. I was just, just going to come, come back to the question about worshiping alone or with one's family as a valid replacement. And as we've been discussing, as it's been made clear, the church has called, the, the Bible has called us together, together as a church. There isn't a, there is an element in which Jonathan Edwards was right when he said, uh, every family is a little church. You're a microcosm of something mm-hmm. bigger. But just because you're a microcosm of that doesn't mean you exclude the larger yeah. for the uh, for the smaller. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yesterday, we tried to successfully alienate and offend half of our listeners. I think we did that. So I think we lost five of our <laughs> ten. I'm going to go after the other five right now. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Okay. We'll get it down to one. Yep. So here comes... And that's your mom. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Here comes my one strong statement of the year, because I never have these. So this is... I'm going to use my one that I normally have early on. At the end of the day, worshiping alone or with your family and, and using that to replace gathering with God's corporate body, I actually think is revealing a, a heart of selfishness. And I wish I could say it kinder. I don't know how to, but at the end, I think that's the core. I thought you were going to speak stronger than that. I would say it's a sin. It's a, yeah. Um, it's a selfishness that lacks a heart of submission. Mm-hmm. That at the end of the day, you've set yourself up as, as something that goes against God's design. Right. And God's design is he set up his church with elders and deacons to serve under Christ, which then the body is to submit to. Yeah. So you're in one step you're not willing to submit to that authority. And then at the other step you're you're doing what, what Phil was talking about. You're not willing to say that we're a body where we're mutually accountable, mutually edifying, mutually um, involved in each other's lives, that we have something to get and we have something to give to the local church body. And, and what you're basically saying is, I'm not sure I care enough about Christ's bride yeah. to this, participate fully with his his bride. Yeah. There are there are interrelated subjects here. When we're talking about worship, we're talking about the church. We're talking about um, we're talking about the one day and seven that's set apart from the others that are that is to be holy or in somewhat measure different, where we rest from our labors and that. You know what we do as our with our family is something that is not limited to a certain day. It is you know, for instance, in 
in um, Deuteronomy, it talks about, you know, how the words that it, um, the the law is to be on your heart and on your soul. And these words you shall that are commanded, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So uh, family worship is something that is taking place throughout the day, throughout the week, through, you know, but there is that one day in seven when the church gathers together as God's people for, for corporate worship. That's right. Well, um, we hope that you enjoyed the show today. We have 15 seconds. Oh, we have one minute. I've lost my mind. It's okay. Just trying to save this guy. I, I'm going to just give a quick plug. There are a For lot, resources. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, I think, was actually going there. Okay, good. I'll let you go there. You've no, used up no, all I the minute. Gonna, I was going to say, what resources do you guys have for this subject? I think Jerry Bridges' book on um, the church called Community is an excellent resource on just the idea of what it means to live together with a body. I think mm-hmm. Dever's book, uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, would make a similar case that would be really good. Yeah, Nine, Nine Marks is a good book. And, and there's a, a an old mid-20th century uh, classic, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm. So good. Philip Ryken has a book called City on a Hill. I actually, it's very, very similar to Dever's um, Nine Marks, but I actually liked Ryken's better. Sinclair Ferguson <laughs> just released a book devoted to the church. Sinclair Ferguson, right. devoted right. to the devoted church. Devoted to the church. Ben, why are you giving me that dirty look? Because he wrote a book called Devoted to God, well, so I thought you were conflating the you, two. You mentioned, oh, no. you mentioned Philip okay. Graham Ryken. Nine uh, seconds. Philip Ryken has a book called The Communion of, the, of yep. Saints. The excellent Communion book. of Saints is an excellent one. Awesome. We will see you next time. 